0: This episode of The Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important, to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why, startup nation, I wear the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and help strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code EZ and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. Payoff.com sponsors this episode of The Startup Life. Startup Nation, you've tried balance transfers and budgeting, but high interest rates and unrelenting bill cycles make it almost impossible to get out of credit card debt on your own. Instead of another new savings technique, you need a clear path out of debt. And that's what a payoff loan can do. A payoff loan is a personal loan backed by member-centric credit unions designed to help you pay off your credit cards with rates as low as 5.99% APR and loan amounts up to $35,000 with no hidden fees and personal customer service support from Payoff to help you reach your financial goals. Some of the benefits of a Payoff loan may also include a personal credit score boost, one monthly payment, and savings from lower interest rates. Go to Payoff.com forward slash the startup life to learn more. Checking loan rates won't affect your credit score. And if you listen to the replay on the podcast, the link is there in the show notes. Try something new. Pay off your credit card debt with Payoff. NMLS ID number 1396805. Now, all applicants may qualify. Loans only available within the United States. Loan is not available in all states. Payoff works with lending partners who originate the loans. Additional terms, conditions, and eligibility requirements may apply. More information is available at payoff.com forward slash the startup life. The startup life is powered by ladder. Startup Nation, as an entrepreneur, you are the engine that powers your business. We have had many entrepreneurs on the show from those that play division two basketball, quite a few Ironman participants, and even an NFL quarterback. And the one thing they all have in common is that they know getting early morning workout wins leads to business success for the day. However, it's super important what fuel you use for your workout to get that early morning success. And that's where Ladder comes in. Ladder is a sports nutrition company founded by LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Unlike other supplements, every batch is tested by a third party that is trusted by all major professional sports organizations, including the NBA, NFL, MLB, and more to verify the highest standards for quality, but more importantly, safety. Ladder's goal is to help you unlock your best in any situation. Right now, that means access to special offers and expert advice from their community. Personally, I like superfood greens. Not only does it include the most essential nutrients that are hard to get in your diet, like magnesium, zinc, B vitamins, vitamin D, they also included the rodelio root, which helps keep you healthier when stress is high, but also it helps support immunity according to many studies. Use code Every Day for 30% off everything site-wide at ladder.sport. That's Better Every Day for 30% off at ladder.sport. So maybe you're not trying to be a four-time league MVP or a seven-time Mr. Olympia, but you still need the tools to elevate your health that elevates your business. So go with Ladder and prepare to get better every day.
1: It's time to be about that life. The Startup Life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson.
0: All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, with our new normal and stuff we're dealing with these days, a lot of you are thinking about the path of entrepreneurship. Many of you are thinking about the path of kind of social entrepreneurship and so today's guest is going to kind of share with us a little bit about that he is the co-founder and ceo of flow water a denver-based company with the vision to create and a new dis- distributed and decentralized water platform he has worked with google red bull playstation ea sports uh and the oakland school system and more His company was also awarded the distinction of top 500 in Inc. 5000's prestigious list of fastest growing companies. He is Rich Raskatis. How's it going, Rich? Going great, Dominic. Thanks for having me on the call. No worries. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the startup nation today? I'm
1: ready. Let's bring it. All righty, let's do it.
0: So first things first, man, kind of share with us, you know, uh, you know, we all know we're going through this new normal, the world pandemic that is COVID-19 and stuff like that. Just kind of share with us a little bit about a few things like that's going on in your new normal and social distancing. And what have you been experiencing?
1: Well, I think, first of all, uh, you know, every time I talk to somebody about this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, generally the conversation first revolves around, you know, how kind of emotionally difficult this is for many people. And, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody last night that is a college student, uh, so it's kind of outside of my business circle, but I've been men- been mentoring him for a few months. And, you know, he-, he really posed this question to me in a very unvarnished way, which was, I'm, he said, man, I'm having a really hard time being motivated to do anything. And I think it's one of the issues, of course, uh, like just from a human emotion perspective Absolutely. that we're dealing with as, you know, founders, CEOs, individuals, uh, how do you make sure that you maintain kind of an ambition or a motivation amidst so much uncertainty, Absolutely. Uh, both on the macroeconomic and kind of macro health concerns as well as like the micro, like what happens to me? What happens to my family? Are my kids okay? Are my siblings okay? Are my parents Okay. So a lot of uncertainty, I I think the way that uh, in what I am seeing is, you know, really, there's kind of two ways to approach it. And one is to uh, really swirl in a sense of uncertainty. And the second is to double down and make some big bets, try to prepare for the worst, hope and plan for the best, and then aggressively go and execute as best you can. And so some of the things that I could just talk. Specifically to what we have done and what I have done with uh, the company from a, a CEO perspective, absolutely. Uh, one is we made some adjustments in the business in terms of conserving every dollar cash possible. Some of the stuff we actually started in, 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 in kind of preemptively planning. Like one of the examples of that is we worked very quickly, starting in January, to shore up inventory to get us through the end of the year. Given that you know our manufacturing is overseas and in Asia, and we were concerned about supply chain interruption. So uh, another example of that is uh, eliminating all unnecessary non-essential business investments or or spends in growth that could be uh, delayed without materially jeopardizing the business. And so There's a few things that we've done in terms of kind of hunkering down, so to speak, in terms of trying to really focus on de-risking ourselves wherever we can possibly be de-risked, given so much uncertainty. And then uh, the other part of it is I just worked through the last four weeks. We've built together uh, the leadership team a very different 2020 growth plan. And that means revising our business to call on new verticals, using new channels, using new types of sales mechanisms, and then also working aggressively on expanding our product portfolio to develop more of a consumer play in products. So uh, those are, you know, some of the way, you know, I mean, I think stating the obvious, first of all, which is this can be really paralyzing, which causes, you know, us, uh, in my own personal perspective, the need to really double down and be extra diligent in terms of planning, risk reduction, growth optimization. How do we succeed? And use this as an opportunity to actually win in a big way, which some days can seem very, very sobering and difficult. But if you look at, um, you know, just speaking to Startup Nation specifically, if you look at all the data over the last 30 years, the early stage companies that have survived. A bear market, they have gone on historically to overperform their counterparts very after that that bear market has turned into a bull. And so in then also, the thing goes with you know financial fortunes are made in bear markets, not in bull markets. It's that the investors keep investing during bear markets so that they get to the play in the upswing. And so, I think the real opportunity for us not to make this sound Pollyanna-ish because it's a very obviously serious and sobering situation that we're going on uh, through right now. That being said, uh, it will be even more serious and more sobering if we do not as entrepreneurs and startup nation people pull it off. And so, you know, I, I look at this as putting our oxygen masks on first uh, and making sure that we find a pathway to be successful. So those are a couple of things that we're thinking about right now and that we're doing, executing on and moving, you know, preemptively. But then and, and also reactively and responsively as the conditions change or new data becomes available.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, I hope you're starting to hear a theme here over the, the past couple of weeks with our, our guests, you know, a lot of them are saying with this very common theme that there are opportunities in a bear market. There are opportunities in a downturn or a slowdown, uh, if you will. Uh, so I definitely appreciate you sharing that again, Rich, for sure.
1: Yes, so, absolutely. Uh, I think there's, um, I, I, I think there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of truth to it. Um, and, and it's just is sometimes in the thick of it when you're in it hard to see it or hard to appreciate it. But, uh, that is the way the world works. So, yeah, it's interesting that other people have noted on that as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Rich, if you would, man, just kind of share with us you know, a little bit about your origin story and your background and how you got to this point in your career and your entrepreneurial endeavors.
1: Sure. Uh, I am a Midwesterner, grew up in Columbus, Ohio, okay. uh, and went to a small school in Indiana, Anderson University. Um, which, because nobody has ever heard of it before, I'd pretty much <laughs> just tell everybody it's like the Harvard of the Midwest gotcha. because they don't know any different. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, was, it was, it was a solid, to be fair to Harvard, it was a, Anderson was a solid school, but it was definitely not the Harvard of the Midwest. Gotcha. Um, I, um, uh, started my career, you know, pretty unconventionally for an entrepreneur. Uh, but I started out my career in fortune 500 companies so my very first job was working in in sales at johnson and johnson and then i worked um in corporate marketing uh for a company called eli Lilly, which is based out of indianapolis and then that kind of kicked into gear my desire and kind of quest to find a more entrepreneurial environment i remember coming out to san francisco on business trips in 1999 you know, I drive up up and down uh, the 101 in Silicon Valley. You know, you could just feel the energy and the tech, uh, kind of the excitement. This was before the bubble burst in March of 2000. And uh, that was kind of what was my impetus to get into a startup. And so I got my first job as a uh, number six hire at a startup company in New York City that was venture-backed. Uh, ended up running sales and marketing and client services for that company. And then we ended up selling it eventually to iVillage and was later bought by MDC. But uh, that was my very first foray. And then since then, just to kind of accelerate and tell the notes version of it, uh, you know, I went from a couple big, massive Fortune 500 companies to, you know, New York City, street hotel, startup, you know, limited amount of capital, went through you know, the market downturn in March of 2000 and went right. through 9-11 and, and a huge business impact given that 90% of our customers were all in the tri-state area. And, you know, wow. business pretty much shut down for 900 days. I mean, I literally remember going and getting checks from customers on a Friday afternoon and bringing them to my CFO and CEO uh, so that we could get it into the bank by like 3 p.m. for a payroll that ran at five PM, so it was a really gnarly experience. Right. Uh, quite a bit different than working in a Fortune 500 company, where you really never worry about cash flow, right. or at least historically, never have to worry about that. Particularly in more mid-level roles. And then uh, from there, I've, I've done a variety of startup companies as well as mid-sized companies. So I uh, ran a consumer packaged goods company, a privately held family-owned business that had been around for 50 years, and rebooted that. Uh, I ran a. Direct sales company where I worked for the uh, former CEO of Avon for a direct sales company out in the Pacific Northwest that was focused on CTG products. And uh, we took that from around 36 million to about 100 million a year in uh, uh, run rate. And then since then, I've done three startup companies. So one was a tech company in New York City that was a Groupon competitor uh started it raised a little bit of money as part of the the kind of original founding team and we sold it actually within a year of launching it and then went and did that again kind of on a restart uh work came out to Silicon Valley started working for um a venture-back startup company that did not do so well and and um kind of came in after they deployed a lot of capital and rebooted that business we sold that and then seven years ago uh co-founded Flowwater so Right. That's that. my story is like kind of one of these, you know, I think it's so funny when I talk to students in college or in high school or they're post-college and they're, you know, looking for how do they develop their career plan and their career map. And I had many of those conversations when I was younger. Right. You know, you kind of plan as best you can, but the career never really goes the way that you think it will go. <laughs> and so I'm all I'm all for planning, but if someone were to tell me like, hey, this is where you are going to end up today, uh, 20 years ago, uh, I would have had a pretty hard time believing that. And so it's been mostly a career in uh, tech as well as consumer goods over the last 15 years. And Flow Water is really a mashup between tech and consumer under a new pathway of creating distributed, decentralized water, basically a new way of delivering water to the world. Right. So ironically, it set me up. I think well for this, but I would never have kind of planned it this way either. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Let me, before we get into flow water, I want to ask you this because you're a bit of a turnaround specialist and you kind of mentioned uh, just now. So when you go into a company and you, you, know, you see there are certain things that need to be kind of fixed and stuff like that, what's like the, 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 the rich RAS doctrine as far as like, what's the number one thing you're looking for? What's the number one thing you need to figure out before you start to kind of Turn the tide a little bit in in favor of the good
1: uh that's a really good question and so I've done a couple start uh restarts three Mm -hmm. start three raw startups and then a couple total restarts or reboots right um one of the things that on a restart basis I mean the first thing is to really understand what you have you know what what is solid ground and I think there are three buckets under which I evaluate that principally one is just the uh, kind of corporate governance and the financial documents, you know, what's the balance sheet look like, you know, how much available cash there is, what are the liabilities Um, in ideally, you know, you know, most of this stuff before you go into it, but sometimes you don't really know all of it. Uh, What's the corporate governance structure like, you know, what's the cap table look like. Can you restructure the cap table if needed, et cetera. So one is kind of financials, corporate governance, the second is the team and really trying to get a quick dive into who on the team can you bet on and do you want to build around and who do you not want to put or can you not put a, a risk around building and betting on in the future and trying to make some pretty brisk decisions on effectively where you're going to gamble, right? And and uh, I've been in some situations where I looked at the team and I thought, man, I'm going to have to replace nearly all of them. I've been in other situations, another situation where I basically rebooted the entire company. I've only done this once in my life, but I literally rebooted the entire company. And I did have to lay off a lot of people because I inherited a huge headcount on a failing business. But we rebooted it and I did it with the 100% of the core team that remained. And they rallied and they did an amazing job. So, you know, people is a big part of it as well. And then the the third is looking at the market, which is you know, is this company on a restart? Does it really have a product mark, right? Which is a lot of people build companies and it's built into the DNA of the company and all the staff are bought into it. All the leadership is bought into it. All the investors are bought into it. But if the product sucks or the market doesn't want the product or the market changes, it doesn't really matter how much people are bought into it if customers aren't bought into it and there isn't a customer pathway there. And that can be Sometimes that can be the most difficult, which is it's not as obvious, right? Because it's just embedded into every fiber of the DNA, the company, and the people. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you go to these startup situations, and I can think of one in particular where 100% of the revenue that had been built over 50 years was in a channel, an entire channel that had been declining 20, 25%. And uh, I was brought in to improve that by fixing. By, by selling more into the channel. They wanted me to come in as CEO and kind of fix the channel. Right. Well, my conclusion was your channel is unfixable. Like the problem isn't that we're not being successful in the channel because we're not doing well. The problem is the channel was totally broken and it was a very archaic way of distributing the product. And so the way to fix it was to go into a totally new channel Uh, which was uncharted territory. It was a big bet for the company, and I basically took a company from a complete wholesale model to a front-of-the-house retail model into food, drug, math in a period of 18 months. And a lot of the investors and the owners were really, frankly, quite nervous about it, but it was the only way to be successful because the model was flawed, and we ended up being successful with it. Uh, though it was a pretty big gamble. I thought it was actually not a very big gamble because I saw a complete failure under keeping doing things the way that they had always been doing it. Uh, so I, those are the three things, right? Governance, people, and then kind of product market fit.
0: Governance, people, and product market fit. That's very important, Startup Nation. Definitely that people uh, part, you know, Startup Nation. I'm glad you said that, Rich, because, you know, we're always talking about product and stuff like that, but, you know, nothing moves without great people. So I'm glad you said
1: that. That is absolutely the case. And I think that's one of the really challenging things, too. I mean, not to to extend too long on my answer on this one, but I think, you know, on the people piece of it, particularly in a restart, but I suppose that. a a case could be made and said also equally for a startup the definition of what good looks like um, i think is very different in a startup or a restart company than under quote unquote a normal company and i think one of the things that i have learned over the years and it's and it's tough because you have to at times as a ceo or a co-founder or an entrepreneur be pretty unrelenting and pretty fierce about it. However, your company's survival, your investors' performance, your own uh, success, and the team's success depends on it. Is to be pretty ruthless with what good looks like, and not kind of lower down your expectations just because someone in your team doesn't agree with it or they're not bought into it. And so, I think there's a very it's very tough. What one of the things I try not to do is I try not to focus on people that i need to motivate them to get in the game because mm-hmm. i don't think that's possible i know i can do it for a short period of time right but i cannot and I, I think it's a route to failure if you're kind of constantly working with someone to try to get them to amplify and get on the same motivational right. and ambition page right uh you know in a big company you can do that of course like in fact not everyone's going to be as ambitious as an entrepreneur in a big company that's kind of the you know the juxtaposition of being in a big company. And a startup company, I think those are required, you know, attributes and truisms in order to have a successful company. And as we know, most startup companies statistically are not. And one of the biggest risk factors, but also the biggest catalysts, risk factors to failure and catalyst to growth and success really is the people, which is why you need to have you know, first of all, super motivated, ambitious people that are on the same page that have the same street hustle. But then second, you know, I think the CEO's job is set the strategy, get the right people, but also hold them accountable to what good looks like and having really tough discussions with them when there's a gap on what good and great looks like.
0: Hold them accountable to what good looks like. We'll write that one down. Thank you so much, Rich, for sharing that for sure. So let's get into flow water a little bit, you know, kind of tell Take me back to the, the the kind of the origin story, a little bit of flow water. Like what, what is it about flow water that, you know, oh, well backtrack, let me go back a little bit. What is it about getting rid of plastic water bottles, single use water bottles and stuff like that, but also having clean tasting water as well? well? Why is that so important? Because the, I imagine that's the the impetus for why, you know, flow water works so well, right?
1: Right, exactly right. Uh and it's a it's a terrific question because you know, sometimes I get into conversations with consumers or on podcasts or with investors and, and, and kind of the, ju- the the gist of the question comes up as hey, if bottled water is so bad, why are people drinking so much of it? And why don't they just drink out of a faucet, right? Because right. we don't one of the things that we don't have a problem in the United States is called if only I could find a water faucet, like that's not the problem in the U S there's more, there's more access points to water than in the U S in particular, than we have ever had in the history of human time. But that's also for the most part in any developed nation, uh, a truism as well. So Mm -hmm. what I think there's this interesting kind of polarity and on one side of the equation, we have a runaway freight train of single use packaging, which is incredibly destructive to the environment but also our health. So I'll give you an I'll give you an example of that. Please do. We have now put so much plastic into our oceans, lakes, rivers, landfills. Ultimately, what has happened is that those have turned into microplastics. Those microplastics have now made their way into municipal water and bottled water. So, on average, over 90% of bottled water and tap water have over 300 pieces of microplastics per liter of water that you're consuming. Wow! And on average, the average American is drinking or eating two credit cards worth of plastic every month. And so, if you just look at that as an example, that's kind of problem number one. Is we're shipping water from far away exotic places like Fiji, shipping it all over the United World, shipping it all over the United States. Amount of CO two. Waste and literally the water that goes in that bottle is a fraction of a penny. I mean, what you're, you know, what we're, the bottled water industry is really selling plastic bottles that happen to have water in it because the bottle costs way more than the water itself. Right. That's the kind of issue, you know, number one is just the inefficiency of it. And then also related to it, the destructive effects that are accumulative over time that are decimating oceans, lakes, rivers, and landfills with aquatic life. And we're literally now drinking our bottled water. Now, the problem that exists is consumers don't like or trust tap water. So this is kind of the answer to the question of, well, if it's so bad, why do people keep drinking it? And the answer is consumers, just 60 to 80 percent of consumers don't either like like, or trust the taste of tap water. And that might be because uh, of like you know, chlorine and the taste of chlorine in the water, which is important because chlorine actually delivers the water from the municipal sources mm-hmm. to the final destination. So you do need to have it as a carrier, but you don't really want it in your drinking water. It could be because, you know, of dissolved solids. It could be because they're worried about lead levels. Uh, Popular science two, two years ago did a report. They they, they did an analysis at about 25% of the test sites across the United States and uh, water samples had higher than EPA uh, acceptable levels for lead. So we have a very real problem that's growing in terms of the quality of the tap water and the trust of the tap water in the US. E.g., therefore consumers won't drink it or don't like drinking it. The way to solve it is to basically treat the tap water twice. So, you know, Coke, Pepsi, Nestle, and other bottled water companies, they have these huge bottled water plants. Right. uh, And that's what's bottling the water. Well, what we've really done is we've effectively just built a mini purification bottled water plant that connects onto the last six feet of any water line wherever consumers work, rest, and play. And they can have bottled water on tap through a flow water refill station that takes freely available tap water, transforms it with you know electrolytes, increased alkalinity, the elimination of viruses, bacteria, uh, total dissolved solids, et cetera, et cetera. And turn it into the world's best tasting, best hydrating uh, water that you can feel and drink more of um, directly from the tap. And I think that's kind of the magic that we're really going after right now is uh, when we talk about distributed, decentralized water, wherever consumers work and rest to play. What that really means is we're going to build a whole new water infrastructure across the U.S., across the world, without building infrastructure. Meaning. We're tapping into a water line in the last few feet of it and putting a flow water device on it that will totally transform that tap water into something that consumers love and prefer to bottled water.
0: Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Quick follow up, if I may, because you mentioned uh you know coke and nestle and stuff like that and as of 2018 i know the drinking water industry is like a 334 billion dollar industry and i imagine now with 2020 and and growing that's just going to keep growing as more and more people become you know more socially aware about plastics and its uh, detriment to society and things of that nature where do you see flow water in all of this where do you see flow water in the landscape of, uh, the water, the drinking water industry, because I imagine, man, like the, the Cokes and the Nestle's, man, they're not too keen on kind of giving away that crown of like having, uh, plastic water <laughs> bottles and stuff like that. So where do you see yourself in all of that, man?
1: Well, I think you're right. I mean, they're not, they're not exactly rooting for our success. I mean, there's a, there's a David and Goliath story Absolutely. here for sure. Right. Um, and you know, to some degree, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're relying on, a major market trend shift away from single use packaging. Right. And and of course, right now, during this COVID period of time, this is probably actually a pretty good use case for packaged water. I mean, when when people talk to me and say, well, is packaged water good for anything? Uh, my answer is yes. Uh, like a pandemic is a really good example, a short term pandemic. That's that's fair. Doesn't, that doesn't, that's, change. you know, that's there's, very there's fair. also, a, right? Um, you know, another use case is if I'm in the middle of Salinas, California, and I can't access like clean drinking water and I'm at a gas station and like you know, you need to drink water, then buying a bottle of packaged water uh is a better thing to do than not having water or drinking perhaps out of a uh, top there. But and I'm not picking up Salinas, it's just kind of in the middle of the state of California. Right. And so just an example. So I I what I see us doing. I, I see a couple of things happening. One is um, I do think and I do know from conversations with uh, strategic players in the packaged water space that they not only see that there is a clear mega trend away from single-use PET and customers and businesses and hotels and gyms and just, again, consumers at large are demanding that. But I also see a renewed kind of organizational commitment to kind of wean their way off of bottled water as their primary source of revenue into more environmentally uh, efficient and more sustainable solutions. It's very hard for big, you know, so in these big companies, I used to work in one, in these big companies, you have some really good people that have really good intentions, and in some cases are doing not so good things. Like right. I think one of the examples of that is big bottled water companies, which is, I know a lot of these people in these companies and some of them right. are my friends, even though I completely disagree with what they're doing and I right. think it's destructive to the environment. Right. Ultimately, they, you can't just turn the switch off or to kind of use the water metaphor, turn the tap off right away right. without having a revenue model for them to move to. And so what I see happening is that uh, you know, companies like Flow Water that are that, in, in right now, uh, you know, we're we're spearheading this whole migration and this movement around water 2.0. What I see happening is that this is the catalyst and we're helping pave the way for big companies to identify ways that they can be successful by providing a better product to consumers that they love, that is friendly to the environment. And is kind of on the right side of history, so to speak, from an environmental perspective. And so we're looking at ways that we can partner. You know, uh, sometimes people ask me, would you ever work with, you know, I don't want to say names, but would you ever work with X, Y, and Z company in the packaged water industry? Um, And and my answer is someday, absolutely yes. I wouldn't work with them if they were trying to kill us, but I would work with them if they finally got to the point where, and I think some of them, I know some of them are there, we would and will work with them when they get to the point where they're like, all right, this is interesting. There's a major market shift here. There's ways that we could help. And it is solving a problem in the market that uh, we can leverage their infrastructure. Or they can leverage our innovation and progression and brand and kind of a millennial centric, right. tribal fanatical following. And so that's, that's how I, I, I see us going about doing this on our own. We have a plan to do so. But that being said, If we're really going to radically change the way the world drinks and consumes and hydrates with water, we're going to either need to raise a lot more capital or we are going to need to partner with very big strategic companies that have uh, infrastructure that can enable us to scale 100x instead of 2, 3, 5x.
0: Right. Right. Thank you for sharing that. And, and, you know, Startup Nation, a lot of times we see uh, social entrepreneurship and we ask the question, like, look, man, are they really genuine about what they're doing and stuff like that? And in this answer, I I really get the sense that Rich is genuine. Let me tell you why. Because when he talks about how he says, like, yes, there is a place and a time for you know prepackaged water and stuff like that, that tells me that, like, look, he's not out to you know, obviously he's trying to scale a business and and I totally get that, you know, business is the business of making money. Let's just be clear about that. But at the same time, what he highlights is like, look, yes, we are in the business of trying to, you know, scale the company, and stuff like that. But at the deeper level, it's all about making sure we have a more sustainable, healthy planet and making sure we're getting, you know, the resources to the people that need them. And if that means that, you know, it's prepackaged water to a Salinas, uh, California or somewhere in the middle of nowhere where they don't have that type of resources, then yes, let's do that. So, Rich, I 100 percent appreciate that answer, man.
1: Thank you. No worries. Thank you. No appreciate that.
0: No worries. No worries. All right, Startup Nation, so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break. We gotta pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to the Startup Life. This episode of The Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why, Startup Nation, I wear the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now when you go to philipstein.com use code SLEEP and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. Support for The Startup Life is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Startup Nation, personal grooming is super important, not only from a hygiene standpoint, but also from a confidence one as well. And that is why you need to have a tight haircut and well, a nice groomed undercarriage as well. And when doing that, you don't want to use the same razor, do you? That's just absurd. And this is why our friends at Manscaped have given you another option, introducing the all new Lawnmower 3.0 by Manscaped. This lightweight and waterproof razor features precision. Engineer blades for safe trimming in sensitive areas and a 7000 rpm motor with quiet stroke technology ladies father's day is just around the corner and this will make a perfect gift for that guy on the go use code the startup life in all caps for 20 off and free shipping on your brand new lawnmower 3.0 at manscaped.com we have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast and while you're there be sure to check out all the other products from manscaped.com as well so for proper manscaping without the fear of hurting anything, go with Manscaped. Trust me, your family of jewels will thank you. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. So let me ask you this, man, because uh, we were, you know, I was looking on the blog on the website and stuff like that. And you was talking about, you know, uh, one of the ways to kind of keep healthy uh, or stay safe during COVID-19. And one of the uh, the blogs talked about the five ways to do that. And the number one thing was, drink more water. Now, obviously, we all know that, you know, drinking water doesn't, you know, you know, uh, kill COVID-19. I I wish it did. That would make the world a lot more simpler. Uh, But until we get to that point, you know, you talk about how drinking water, staying hydrated, kind of help support a healthy immune system and talk and stuff like that kind of share with startup nation, you know, why, you know, a little bit more why being hydrated is is so important, not just for a time like this, but also just for your general healthy part of your routine.
1: Well, uh, I love that you asked that question. And, And I think having started my career in the pharmaceutical industry where, uh, you know, it's an industry that I'm, Still to this day, and I think many of us more so today than we were a year ago are grateful for pharma and biotech, uh, and they're really powerfully uh, necessary as it relates to treating serious issues. They're also in that entire kind of healthcare system has not done a good job around prevention, right? So uh, I think, and that's one of my frustrations when I was in pharma, that was one of my frustrations, which is. There was really never a discussion. Like when I was working, uh, I did a little bit of work adjunctively with an antidepressant brand. You know, the entire focus of that brand and that company was to sell more antidepressants. I mean, it really wasn't to get consumers off of an antidepressant or to help them work through, well, try this first and try diet and exercise and then try psychotherapy and then try maybe some natural products and then use a prescription. you know, of course, everyone gets paid on selling more prescriptions. And so the kind of underlying infrastructure of our healthcare is simply wired to be more commercially oriented. And as a result, everyone programmatically uh, tends to think everything is a nail and they want to use a hammer on it. And that was one of my frustrations. And so kind of leading to where we are today in talking about immune and asking that question and like, what is the benefit of hydration? Well, Sometimes I use this example, but if 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 doc if doctors commonly addressed chronic dehydration and looked at all of the health impacts related to chronic dehydration, it would be, and, and they could actually prescribe it, right? It would be the world's first multi hundred trillion dollar drug because so much starts at the very start of everything, so much starts with. With diet and exercise, and within the diet side, you know, food and, and water. And on the water side, seventy percent or over seventy percent of Americans are chronically dehydrated. Mm. And you know, your your body is a plant, right? I mean, it's it's so funny because you know, people would not let their dog go without water; they would not get let their plants go without water. Right, Yet, right. so commonly we let our our bodies go without water. And so, you know, if if, if we start kind of first with uh, maybe a little bit of vanity. Um, proper hydration has a dramatic impact on skin elasticity. So, you know, you want, you want like kind of Botox in a bottle. Like one of the best things that you could do just to start with is to drink a great amount of hydration daily so that you're not dehydrating yourself by only drinking highly caffeinated, sugary, carbonated beverages, which not only are not optimally driving skin elasticity and improvements in texture and tone and uh, your skin, but it's actually working against you because there's sugar and other byproducts and chemicals that are in it that are actually degrading your skin in addition to not hydrating your skin. So if you look at a variety of things that are caused by chronic dehydration, drinking the right amount of water, that it's like if you could do it for ninety days, it's a game changer in terms of how you look and feel. And it also changes things like how you eat. And so there's a lot of data out there that shows you know satiety, satiety and your appetite and how much and what you eat, can be regulated in a sense by being properly hydrated. Um, And then there's other things as it relates to immune boosting effects. I mean, the body, the body, like our bodies are these amazing miraculous things, but they work by to some degree uh, pathways of like viscosity and, you know, the health of your blood and the health of your uh, lungs and your nasal passages and, Uh, that is all driven by the fact that 70% of our body is water. And a lot of that is, you know, a a releasing mechanism, which is your body needs to be properly hydrated in order for you to be able to pass through pathogens or fight viruses and bacteria. And if you can't do that, you know, basically, you know, you've got, You've got a a weakened, I don't know, a really good analogy off the top of my head, uh, you know, because you still have a seatbelt, but it's like you have a weakened seatbelt. And uh, what we really, what we really need to be doing is like giving our bodies the best chance to do what it does to perform optimally. And, you know, that doesn't mean, I mean, look, I'm not a, I'm not totally antithetical to, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret. I don't think I share very often. I love Dr. Pepper. I, I now everyone in my company would be shocked to hear me say that because <laughs> i think i've had five sodas in the last 5 years gotcha. but every thanksgiving every thanksgiving that's my drink of choice i have a dr pepper once a year on thanksgiving and it goes back to growing up and you know going and visiting my grandmother's house in chicago illinois many years ago when i was really young and we used to get a dr pepper on thanksgiving so there's something programmatically that i will allow myself but drinking one every day is a disaster for your, your health. I mean, it just creates all these kind of negative vicious cycles. And so what we what we know about hydration, what we know about our, our body and our immune is that amazing things happen when we give it the ability to be successful. And hydration is one of the best things that you can possibly do for that. And if you were to drink enough water daily over the next 30, 60, 90 days, you would see physically a difference in your face and your skin and the lines around your eyes or the lack of lines around your eyes and how you feel and what you're eating. Um, and that's one of the things that, and I'll end on this just because I took a bit of a protracted answer on that. Uh, and clearly I am really passionate and excited about water and hydration and immune boosting properties of it. But one of the things that I'm really excited about with flow water is we know if we get consumers something that they like, they'll do more of it. Right. And so, uh, like I have been indulging Phil's coffee. Have you ever had Phil's coffee? I have. Okay. So it's a really expensive cup of coffee, right. but it's also really, really good. Of course. So if you're sitting a couple cups of coffee in front of me, and one is from the gas station, out of the middle of nowhere, and they brewed it, and it's four hours old, I might take a couple sips of it. If you put a couple cups of Phil's coffee in front of me, I'm drinking 100% down to the drop of both those cups of coffee, because like, what consumers like, they do more of. Right. And so when we put a flow water refill station into a hotel, a school, corporation, and a home, All of our data continues to to demonstrate three really powerful things happen. One is consumers drink 50% less soda. Two is they drink 50% less coffee. And three, they drink uh, anywhere from two to five times more water daily than they did before. And in all of these use cases that I'm giving you, the before picture, they all had access to water. They just didn't like it as much. So part of our mission is, How do we get water that people love into more people's hands so that they can freely make a choice that gives them a healthier pathway to a more vibrant and an immune-boosted life?
0: I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, Startup Nation, uh, me and Rich were supposed to have, I'm going to kind of poke fun at him a little bit. Uh, Me and Rich were supposed to have our conversation a few weeks back. uh, But now that I think about it, we're actually recording this episode on Earth Day. So go figure. I guess things always work out the way they're supposed to. So so if you're thinking about, you know, getting one of those flow water uh, systems uh, in your businesses when we come from social distancing, of course, make sure you go to drinkflowwater.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast, and they actually have a free trial program uh, there as well for you to kind of check out. Uh, also, you know, uh, Rich, one of the things I love about your uh, not just the the, uh, the the system here, the field, the, the refill station, uh, but also. Uh, the uh, multi-use water bottles, the multi-use bottles that you have, is that they're beautifully designed. And in particular, the multi-use bottles, there's also no plastic, you know, on the bottle as well. And I think that's kind of cool also, man. Kind of tell me about the design of both the multi-use bottles and the refill station, because I think they're beautifully designed. And I think that's kind of helps with, you know, making it appealing to the eye and also kind of spur more use of that uh, station as well.
1: Right. Yeah. That's, that's a, um, that's an astute observation because of statics and just how products make people feel.
0: Absolutely.
1: Obviously end up being a really key catalyst. And and if you look at, uh, you know, some of our, in, in many ways, I look at our, our, our competition in two categories, and this is kind of how I'm going to answer your question. Sure. One is bottled water, mm-hmm. which is we want to move people away from bottled water. But the other, other category of competition is existing water fountains that are out in the market or existing water hardware. And so water hardware can be defined as, you know, POUs, point of use water coolers. Those are basically those black box water coolers that you have in your offices, five gallon jugs. These are the big jugs that you're like lifting and replacing that sit on a stand and water fountains that you know, you might find in an airport or a school. Uh, there's about 16 and a half million pieces of those three types of water Hardware devices out in the market, and they've been uninnovated. Nothing has. They're like Motorola StarTAC phones. Each of those from 1995 in a world that's 2020 that is digitized and more advanced and more accelerated and more innovative. And so, what we've done is we've ta- we've you know tried to. I always cringe when entrepreneurs use like Apple and 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 Tesla analogies. But excuse me for a second for for kind of div- diving into that. But no we are trying to really apple eyes or create like how would an innovative company radically change water hardware. And part of that goes back to brand and making it part of it is technology, but for sure part of it is making it look like something that they would want to use because if it doesn't look like something you'd want to use, you're probably not going to use it. Or you're going to have a different kind of kinesthetic aside to it. Um, what, and by the way, one other quick super quick tangent that I want to make on sure. my immune and water and wellness point Please is do. I want to just make, I, I want to make sure I really underscore my advocacy around drinking water is drinking any water. I mean, yes, like, you know, I worry about the microplastics and tap water and yes, packaged water is not as good for the environment. However, the most important thing that you do, you know, you don't have to drink flow water to get those benefits. I think you're going to get the optimal benefits by drinking flow water. I'm obviously very biased towards flow water, of course. but for the, for the startup nation audience, I just want to be really clear my message around the immune and the, 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 the wonderful effects related to health and human hydration has to do with just simply getting enough water in your system to start with. And then you can worry about, you know, optimizing your water or the water quality that you're drinking. But just the message on that is drink enough water. Um, going back to kind of this question about multi-use and the refill station, the idea behind the, the multi-use bottle is we kind of have two spectrums of consumers, right? You have these consumers that are walking into a grocery or a gym or a hotel, right. You go into a hotel and you go to the, you, you you go to your room and you don't have your refillable bottle with you. In some cases, you know, maybe 20, 25% of travelers are carrying a refillable, but the other two thirds, 75% or not. And so what do you do? Well, you buy a single use package of water and that's kind of just the behavior that people are ingrained into doing. Same thing. If you go into a grocery store or a gas station or a gym in some cases, you uh, in some of those cases, you are carrying a refillable in gyms more than not, but not when you're going to a grocery store, for right. example. So we have this refill station that dispenses the most amazing tasting and hydrating water. Yet, if you don't have a refillable with you, you're probably not just spontaneously going to pick up another refillable for 20 or 30 bucks, right? I mean, that's not a... Impromptu purchase like a bottle of water or a single use package is for two, three, four dollars. And of course, on a single use bottle basis, it can be cheaper. For, but for a premium brand of bottled water, it's a dollar, two dollars, three dollars or so. So what we did is we said, well, how do we create a reusable, inexpensive bottle that they can use five, 10, 15, 20 times and then dispose of? for the same price of a single-use bottle of water. So if you go to our uh, social media at Drink Flow Water today, you'll see some social media postings. We just launched on Earth Day. Thanks for acknowledging that, by the way. Uh, But um, on Earth Day, we launched our very first retail partnership with Choice Markets in Denver, Colorado, where they're on a mission to eliminate single-use packaging and plastics for bottled water. And they are uh, partnering with us, Flow Water, to have a Flow Water refill station in retail merchandise with Flow Water multi-use bottles. So the consumer goes, they buy a bottle for three dollars, and they can continue to refill that bottle at that Flow Water machine, or continue to fill that bottle anywhere, uh, you know, for as long as it lasts. And so it's not designed to last infinitely long, but retailers will sell these for a couple three dollars, same price for a premium packaged bottle of water. And the idea is if we can just get consumers to get in the habit of refilling and using one less single use package, uh, the better off we'll be. I'll give you an example of that real quickly. Sure. Recycling rates. So, recycling, so this is, you know, I think this is one of the big kind of tricks that uh, big bottled water has done on uh, consumers over the last 30 years. You know, everyone talks about recycling, recycling, and these bottles are infinitely, re- or, 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 or is made out of, you know, seventy percent, ninety percent, one hundred percent recyclable material, and they do lots of advertising around the recycling and all the aspects of related to it. How much, you know, effort they put behind it. The reality is, is, the data is very, very different than the marketing of big bottled water. The data shows that still seventy-five percent of Americans do not recycle their single use bottled water. Mm. So even in the it's it's the number's like 23% of Americans actually recycle. And that number has slowly, slowly, slowly crept up in very minuscule amounts over the last 10 years, despite a huge amount of awareness, education, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a pathway of really and that's a really unsuccessful pathway of trying to get people to recycle more because they won't do it. They just won't, they just aren't doing it. They won't do it. For those that do it, fantastic i'm a huge advocate of recycling i'm just saying the reality is the data says what the data says and most consumers don't recycle these plastic water bottles so the way we look at it and the way i look at it is if we can get a multi-use bottle in a consumer's hand and we can encourage them to reuse that bottle four or five times because it's designed to be refilled right if they just refill that thing five times we have just seen an 80 to 90 percent reduction in single-use packaging consumption just by getting them something in their hands that they can continue to reuse for a period of time. That data would be the exact opposite. It'd be the exact inverse of the recycling rates in a positive way. So I'm looking at this in the sense of, yes, ideally, do we get rid of all single-use and ultimately multi-use packaging where everyone's using reusables 100% of the time? Yeah, that's nirvana. I mean, that's utopia. That's what, that's what we would ideally like in the majority of cases. That being said, there's a lot of use cases where, you know, if I'm in a hotel, I don't have my bottle or I lost my bottle or I forgot it somewhere. I'm going to need to drink water and I need a vessel for that. And so our strategy is provide consumers a product that helps them kind of graduate or migrate to a better way and the letter multi-use is an example of
0: that Hey Startup Nation so our conversation with Rich ran a bit long and I love my radio partners and I don't want to get in trouble with them so if you go over to the startuplifepodcast.com or on any of your major podcast platforms you can catch our bonus content and our conversation with Rich trust me you definitely want to check it out if you want to let us know what you think about our show have an idea for a show topic or like to advertise on our show Send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with these startup automation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play,